Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And today we have kind of a listener pick, kind of not, that goes with our theme. It's like an evolved listener pick. It was. It was. And I'll explain that in a second. This week, it goes with our theme of pregnant but not expecting. And this poor mother was not expecting what happened to her. Originally, our dear listener, Alicia, had suggested a case to us that had to do with pregnancy, which is how we even... All of this came to fruition. Yeah, this so week. thank you. Thank you, Alicia. But what happened was I realized the specific case, and we will cover it, that she recommended just recently had more charges brought against the perpetrator. So oh. I would like to wait. I'd like to hold off on presenting that case until we have some more of finality the in the court system. I like it. So with that said, though, I still found a very juicy case that's along the same lines. And so, Alicia, hold tight as we will cover your case that you suggested. And in the meantime, I think that that you will, I hate to say enjoy, but I, I think you'll find this case equally as disturbing. You know, How's that? And we can always have a rotating pregnancy theme because unfortunately when I was looking into mine, there are so many. Oh, There's I so know. many out there. So. It is ridiculous. I actually found a whole big informational article on the statistics of like womb raiders there's an actual name for them womb raiders people who steal other people's babies out of the womb oh my gosh which is the case that we have for you today this is the case the 1995 addison illinois case of deborah evans and unfortunately it's not just deborah and we're going to get to that. In 1995, Deborah Evans was 28 years old. She was a single mother of three. Aww. She had a 10-year-old beautiful daughter named Samantha, an 8-year-old son named Joshua, and Jordan, who was only two. He was 19 months to be exact. So she had her hands full for she sure. She did. She did. And she was just a sweetheart of a woman with a really big heart which unfortunately ends up being her downfall, the downfall. Mm. The, and I, I mean, I hate to tell all of our listeners to be, sh- you know, dicks. Well, you have to be, but it's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, the nicer you are to people, sometimes the more they take advantage yes. of you. Unfortunately, that's something that others will notice quickly and take advantage yes. of. If, you know. Oh, predators seek yep. that type of personality out. I get and it. I am the same type of person. I, I know. I'm not. No, the I'm predator. Kidding. The predator. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm, edit that out. That sounds really bad. I'm the predator that's I like taking advantage people. of other people. No. No, I am a, a natural pleaser. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I know, me too. And I've really been working on that. I'm trying. As I en- en- encroach on <coughs> 40 someday. <laughs> I have a few years yet, but yeah, we're we almost there. A couple. And so Deborah is no exception. There's not, I'm just going to tell you right now, there are there is a documentary about this, which I'm sure would have given amazing background information on Deborah and her life. But unfortunately, it has been removed. And I don't know why oh. I cannot access it. I tried. 
and I, there's only so much time in the world that I have mm-hmm. to try to to get to a video that I could not watch. I've had the same thing happen with a it's couple. It's so frustrating. And there's lots of information on this case. I, I'm bringing you a robustly researched case today. A delightful bouquet. I wanted, I was hoping that maybe that documentary would give me more meat and potatoes on her life. And it, and I just couldn't get to it. But I do know that from what friends and family and even just random neighbors and people. So not, not just your friends and family or not just, excuse me, not just her runs and family, mm-hmm. but everyone had said like, she, she loved her children dearly. She was a great mom, had a big heart. And in November, 1995, Deborah was nine months pregnant with her fourth child. And she was set to be induced on November 19th. Okay. okay. So she's got an induction date. Now she had been struggling a little bit with the baby's father and well and I I didn't even mean to say it like that it sounded like there was some pretty serious abuse going on because Jordan her two-month-old or excuse me her two-year-old Jordan and the current baby that she's carrying their father is Laverne Ward all right and there was obviously some issues in the relationship because at this time in November 1995 Deborah had a restraining order out against Laverne all right. Well, with a name like Laverne. Right? I'm sorry. Laverne. It's not the strongest name I've ever heard. It's not. And but. and he is a weak, weak man. So you so can, they were not exactly together. They weren't together. She actually was living with a new boyfriend. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it was presumed that, that the baby that she was carrying, not presumed, it was, the baby was Laverne's. Laverne's. And gotcha. Jordan, two-year-old Jordan, was also Laverne's. Samantha... And Joshua had different fathers. I do have a statement from Samantha's father later, so we'll get to get to him. Um, I could not find a, a lot on Joshua's father, but so she had some some struggles with relationships, and mm-hmm. and Laverne had been abusive. She had a restraining order out against him for domestic violence, but Laverne's cousin Jacqueline Annette Williams, who was twenty eight. And her boyfriend, Fidel Caffey, who was 22, they were down on their luck. And even though they're related to Laverne, and probably that's how they met, Mm -hmm. Deborah allowed them to move into her apartment with her and her children. And as it happens, Jacqueline told her that she's pregnant too. So Deborah's feeling really, you know, she's got that big heart. So she's she's pregnant like I am. Yeah. You know, they need they need help. help. I'm gonna help them. It's I get you know, it. it's my baby daddy's relatives, because it's her cousin, Jacqueline. She goes in a lot of places, she goes by Annette rather than Jacqueline. So I'm going to henceforth refer to her as Annette because I found that for her middle name way more than I found her oh, first name. Okay, so she preferred to go by her middle name. So I name. believe that she preferred to go by her middle name based on the plethora of information that referred to her as Annette Williams instead of Jacqueline. Gotcha. And or Jacqueline Annette. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of names in this case, so I'm going to try very hard to keep it simple and to remind you when I'm saying a name who we're speaking about. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Whenever I'm listening to podcasts, sometimes the names, especially if they refer to them by their last name, I get very confused. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be using first names um, to try to help narrow this all down. And I'm purposely not telling you some names that are not key players and just because there are so many names, I don't want it to get convoluted for all of us. 
Okay. Here they all are, November 1995. In the house is Deborah, is uh, Annette, her boyfriend, Fidel, and then 10-year-old Samantha, 2-year-old Jordan, 8-year-old Joshua, and she's pregnant. It is November 16th. We both picked cases that were around the same time frames and the same months. Like, oh, really? Yeah, mine was 1996 and that everything went down in, in November. November. <laughs> just, that just is so random weird. observation. It's like people want babies for the holidays. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Maybe there's a correlation there. It is crazy. Well, the that holidays just to, are a harder head. time for people. Yeah. Mental health-wise. I will say, Deborah had even helped, had even attended and helped throw Annette a baby shower. All right. Her and Annette are really close. So they're, yeah, they're getting along. Mm-hmm. Yep. Things are good, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Now, even though there was a restraining order against Laverne, on November 16th, 1995, Deborah did let him in the home under the guise that he wanted to see his son, Jordan. Now, this is a difficult situation. It's so easy difficult. to get manipulated into that of there's a restraining order, but... I want my son to still have a relationship with his father, even if he's shitty to me. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. Now, Laverne had been complaining a lot recently that Deborah wasn't letting him see his son as much as he wanted. He had even made statements that he would like to, quote, kill the bitch in front of many of his friends. Okay, that's not good. No, no. And so November 16th, and remember I said she was set to be induced on the 19th. Yes. And that is information that everybody knew. Everyone's home, and she lets Laverne into the house to see Jordan. As they're all in the house, all of a sudden, Laverne offers Deborah $2,000 for her unborn child. I don't like where this is going. No. Something that I have not mentioned yet is that Deborah Evans is a white female. And Laverne Ward is a black male. And the baby that she's about to give birth to is Laverne's. Now. And he's offering money, money for his own baby. For his own baby to give to Annette Williams and Fidel Caffey. Because it turns out Annette had been lying to everyone. She wasn't pregnant. Oh, Lord. So she's not pregnant at all? She's not pregnant at all. She threw herself or somebody threw her. Her own baby shower, everything. She's just faking this pregnancy. Oh my gosh. So she went through the baby shower and everything. Yes. Knowing yes. she's not actually pregnant. Yep. She comes clean to Laverne that, hey, I I I need this baby. But Fidel Caffey wants a light skinned baby. I okay? can't I can't process the things that humans do. Um I can't right? do it. Where is your fucking train of thought. Like, this like, is not Amazon. You are not... No. You don't get to shop no, for... No, exactly. Like, well, in this matter. And I mean, this, you can adopt children or whatever. I'm not saying that, but... Of course. You don't get to... Oh, well, she's got a baby. She's got a baby. We'll that, take it. You know, the mom is white and the dad is black, so it's going to be the correct combination of skin tone that my boyfriend, my 22-year-old boyfriend wants. What's Where worse... Where are their mothers? Well, Where are their mothers? Here's the thing. Not only has she lied about the fact that she's pregnant, this bitch has had three other kids and had her tubes tied. So where are the other kids? Not with her. She does not have custody of them, which is how she was able to keep them hidden from Fidel. He had no idea. Oh, wow. So she, he doesn't even know that she has other children. No. And he wants a baby and she wants to keep him. So all of a sudden... They're, they're like, well, he, well, she has a baby. We'll get that one. Yep. Wow. Because Laverne, 
who has got this restraining order out against Deborah, mm-hmm. does doesn't care about her clearly, is finding a way to make this pay off for him. So this was all pre-planned when Laverne got there. He wasn't this, there to see his child. Correct. This was pre-planned for quite some time. Oh. This was so pre-planned. It was pre-planned back from when she asked. Annette asked if she could move in with them. They weren't on hard times. Oh, my gosh. They were trying to get close to her, knowing that she was pregnant the whole time because Holy they wanted cow. to buy that baby. So at this point, when the now that this is happening and they're offering the money, Annette is getting close to being due, correct? In her fake pregnancy? Or not Annette, I'm sorry. Deborah. Deborah. Yeah. So Deborah is close she's to three being days due. away from being okay. induced. So the baby's yep. coming. This is November sixteenth and they're like nineteen ninety five and they're like, Hey, you're gonna have this baby in three days. We'd like to give you two thousand dollars for it. Gosh. Because I can't believe this is happening. Fidel is a light skinned black male, and so in order to please him, Annette knew that she would need a light skinned baby to pass it off as her own because she's been lying. This whole time that she was pregnant to everyone. Fidel was very vocal. I read this in in an article that Fidel was very vocal to Annette that he wanted a light-skinned baby boy and that Annette wanted that too to cement their relationship because she was completely infatuated with Fidel. Despite the fact that he was a crack cocaine dealer and was pretty abusive to her. Wow. Yes. We're dealing with a lot of classy people here. Just so you know. Deborah denied them the offer of $2,000. Okay. She said for her child. Pass on yes. That. Yep. You're not going to give me $2,000 for my kid. For my, mm-hmm. for my baby. At this point in time, it is unclear of who pulled out the gun, but a gun was put to the head of Deborah and she was forced to the ground. Oh my gosh. The trio then used kitchen scissors to cut the baby <gasps> out of her womb. Oh yes. my gosh. Now, it was well known that the baby's name was to be Elijah. So once Elijah was crudely delivered, Deborah was shot in the head. Oh, my gosh. So they weren't even going to give her the money. At the, I, I mean, I this sounds very pre-planned. I, you know, I wonder that, too. I'm going to tell you right now, it's sloppy as fuck, as we're going to get into. Oh, my gosh. I don't think it is pre-planned as it was in terms of them moving in with her prior to doing this to to befriend her which is not uncommon when you read about womb raiders like this that is their biggest thing they befriend they they fake a pregnancy and they befriend someone who's pregnant it's a hundred percent a very i don't want to say common i'm saying but it it is a thing in that when it happens this is how it goes down pre-planned thing it is you are suddenly befriended by someone who pretends to have a bunch in common with you who is faking a pregnancy as well and then and their ultimate goal all along was is to take that baby wow whether directly after delivery stealing it and running away kidnapping or straight out of the womb but Oof. being a womb raider is it's, is it's a, a thing. Like, it's a grooming it's happened process a lot mm-hmm Listeners, don't ever make new friends if right if you're when pregnant. you're pregnant. Yeah, Meet exactly. No one knew. Right, just stick with your regular posse. This is horrible. I can't. So maybe they did intend to pay her originally, but the, what was the plan Perhaps. B? Is like, oh, but then we'll. But the, yeah, but instead we're gonna slaughter her. But it gets. Hold on, because oh, it gets worse. Okay. Annette performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on the infant, and once he was breathing on his own, she cleaned him in the kitchen sink and then dressed him in a sleeper. And the, the other kids were there, weren't they? The other kids were there, and that's what I'm going to 
to oh, get into. No. You're going to find information that says that it was Kathy who pulled the gun and shot her while Annette cut the baby out and vice versa. But the truth is we don't really know for certain the actual truth or the chain of events here other than that the baby was definitely delivered prior to, to Deborah being shot because Elijah lives and Elijah is alive and well today. Oh, wow. So the likelihood of her being shot and then them performing the crude C-section and him surviving Would have been less is likely. unlikely. Mm-hmm. So they kind of knew that? That's what the autopsy shows is that they believe that she was alive when they were cutting him with kitchen scissors. Not even a knife. Oh like gosh. This is what? Like unthinkable. Yes, well, it, it gets more unthinkable. None of these fuckheads will tell the, the whole truth and take accountability. Um, anything that they say is pretty much a waste of oxygen at this point. I was going to say IQs could not be high. No. With the, um, these, I'm sorry, but they just the, can't be. There is one thing that I found later about Annette that she was deemed completely sane. She was deemed more vulnerable to be in abusive relationships, but she had a normal childhood, and her mom speaks out about that. Wow. She did not have an abusive childhood. She had a normal childhood, but she does have a lower IQ. That is specifically from her mom. Called it. Not to be on any sort of mentally disabled spectrum, anything like that, just not as high-functioning yeah. as the typical developing adult. Those decision-making skills yep. probably weren't we're, we're lacking. strong. That's right. Yep. That's now, what comes to mind as, as this is all playing out. Like, you clearly didn't think about no, the bigger the, picture. And the consequences and how you were going to really do this. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's more on that in a Ugh. second, too. Because, try. I mean, she completely tries to pass the baby off as her own. And people know better. So, anyway. You're like, we literally know you didn't give yeah, birth to this baby. Yeah. This all happened while Samantha, who's 10, and Joshua, 8, and Jordan, is 2, were in the home. They can't have witnesses. So Samantha is chased down and was stabbed to death. (gasps) I did not see this coming. Yes. Now, again, we don't know specifics of if it was just one person who did this or multiple, but we know the three perps involved. And all of them want to blame the other one. And I don't want to sit here on this podcast and pretend to claim that I know which one of them did it because, quite frankly, all of them were capable of doing it. horrible humans. And they all took part in it in some way, shape, or form. Oh, my gosh. All of this because somebody's 22-year-old boyfriend wanted a baby. Uh Uh-huh. Wanted a light-skinned black baby. The three then leave with 8-year-old Joshua. They kidnap 8-year-old Joshua, of course, infant Elijah, and they left 2-year-old Jordan there alone with his mother. And sister's body. Just a couple hours later, Jordan is found in the home by Deborah Evans' boyfriend. He returned home from work. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine coming home to this. And this part's going to hurt, so just brace yourself. Hold your titties. Oh, I'm grabbing. Was, okay. I'm grabbing on. He was, unfortunately, Jordan was soaked in his mother's blood, saying, Mommy hurt, Mommy hurt, when her boyfriend found him. My, my soul is gone. I know. I actually just saw it leave your body and exit it's out the door. floating upstairs right now. Yeah. I hope I don't scare the kids, but <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> that hurt me. That, like, physically yes. hurt. And her poor boyfriend, they hadn't been dating long to to come home to that. First of all, to come home to that and to have to witness Samantha's little body. Yeah. And her, you know, his, his girlfriends and Jordan there. The police are obviously immediately called and they're immediately looking for Laverne because 
she's got a restraining order uh-huh. out against him. And he, it was his baby that was cut out of her womb. Yeah. They can clearly tell what has happened here. He would be the number one target uh, immediately, I would assume. Yep, yep, exactly. Then, though, the authorities receive a call from one of Laverne's ex-girlfriends. She stated that Laverne had called to tell her what had been done to Deborah, and he threatened her that if she did not break up with her boyfriend, that she would suffer the same fate. Oh, my gosh. What is oh, wrong yeah. with this man? Oh, yeah. So, like I said, it's sloppy as fuck. Like, what Very. did you think was going to happen? Exactly. Like, we didn't think about the bigger picture no. here. The trio took the infant, Elijah, and Evan's son, Joshua, and went to the apartment of a friend named Patrice Scott. I'm just going to call her Patrice from now on. Between midnight and 1 a.m., Okay. Now, according to court record, records, Annette asked Patrice if she would keep Joshua for the night, stating that her mother had been shot during a drug deal gone bad and she was in the hospital. Wow. Yeah. So poor Patrice was like, oh my God, yeah, sure, I will keep this eight-year-old. She had also told Patrice that she had just given birth earlier in the evening and would bring the infant the following day so that she could see him. It had only been a month, like a month earlier, Annette had told Patrice she was even expecting. Oh, wow. So I love how she's like, yeah, I just gave birth, but then my friend got shot during a drug deal. Can you keep his kid? But I'll bring the baby I'll, by. I'll bring the baby by. I'm totally fine. I'm walking around just <laughs> Nothing fine. suspicious here. It's it's fine. Yes. Wow. Right? Because people often just go doing oh, favors way, for other people. Like, Immediately after having (laughs) a baby. Yeah, I just gave birth, but let me take care of my my friend's child first. And I understand in other cultures, they literally give birth in in fields and go back to work. But here in America, we aren't that strong. No, no. Women not doing that here. Mine, other regions need time to recover. For sure. We're not walking around doing favors for friends that got shot. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Sorry, friends. But... I'll send up prayers, but oh, thoughts I'm staying and prayers with my infant. Endlessly. But... Yes. Wow. Now, according to court records, this is what happened next. Patrice and her boyfriend, Dwight Pruitt, said that Williams showed up at their apartment in, in Villa Park, Illinois, around 1 a.m. on November 17th, accompanied by a young boy who turned out to be Joshua Evans. Joshua was wearing a t-shirt, coat, and boots, but no pants or socks. Annette said that she would pick Joshua up in the morning. Patrice heard Joshua crying during the night. Joshua was, Joshua was still crying in the early morning when he told Patrice that he needed to go home because his younger brother Jordan was there alone. Poor little Joshua. He had no pants on. His mother was murdered. And he saw it, and he knows. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Joshua explained that four burglars had entered his home and cut his mother and sister. Patrice asked who they were, and Joshua answered, Annette, Laverne, and Fidel. And someone else called Boo Boo. Yeah. Ew. Joshua repeated this statement more than three times. He explained that he was hiding out, came out as the burglars left, ran outside, and bumped into Annette. So, like, he was trying to hide, but then when he ran outside, he bumped into Annette, and so Annette was like, we got to take him. Oh, my gosh. So it was that quick that, I mean, he almost was able to dodge them, but last minute they're like, oh, we should take him. Yep. Patrice's boyfriend was not directly told this by Joshua, but he was in the other room watching television and had turned the TV down to listen and overheard Joshua crying and telling Patrice all of this. Around 9 a.m. on November 17th, Annette returned. 
driving the same gray car that uh, Patrice had seen the night before. Uh Unfortunately, Patrice told Annette what Joshua had said. Stop. Annette became really angry, cursed at Joshua, accused him of lying. Joshua insisted that he was telling the truth. Annette told Joshua to take his medicine, but he said he does not take any medicine. So Annette led him to the kitchen, and then the boy came back out. This is what Patrice saw. The boy came back out, emerging, gagging, went to the bathroom, and was vomiting a lot. Later, police... I can't breathe right now. Just so you know. (laughs) Later, police did find an empty iodine bottle in their kitchen garbage can. What is wrong with this human being? (laughs) So much. What is wrong we with her? We don't have her? enough podcast hours to to dive into that. I but just need her to not exist right now. For sure. Like, I need this to go away. Does he live? I don't know what iodine is. Like, what does he? Oh, iodine is like that uh, brown stuff that doctors put on you before oh, they, okay. you know, cut like you a, in it. Like, he, it's a, a sanitization Okay. Like thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, the brown? I, that's I iodine. Do, yes, I know that part, but did it kill him? Like, well, what's... let me finish the story. <gasps> I can't take anymore. Annette asked Patrice to accompany her to the townhouse where she was staying with Kathy. Okay. In Schaumburg, Illinois. So just so you know, these shitheads had maintained their own place. This while, whole time. Yeah. While they were pretending to live wow. with Deborah. For the sake of... Just getting this baby. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Now, Annette's like, yeah, I want to check on my newborn baby. And she's like, also, I have some gifts for your infant daughter, Alexis. Because as it turns out, Patrice Scott has an infant daughter named Alexis. Oh, wow. So Patrice is like, okay, I'll go with you. So (laughs) she... Patrice, no. (laughs) So she, Annette, and Joshua left the apartment. And I found that this was in the court records, too, and I was like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. Patrice actually asked her boyfriend, Dwight Pruitt, to watch Alexis, but he refused. Oh, my God. This group of people. Stand up guy right there. So the boyfriend. I'm good. The boyfriend overheard the Uh Joshua, too. Uh But they're all like, eh. It's fine. You go ahead and go with that person who Joshua just said killed his mother. You go ahead and go. Go visit. And also take your infant daughter, Alexis, because I'm not watching. I'm not going oh to be. Homeboy can't be responsible for that. I thought you were going to have. I thought you were going to give me some kind of like saving grace in this case. Oh, no. That, that Joshua, like they heard his cries and they saved him. But no, no. it took this totally no. other turn. No. So now Patrice brings Alexis along with her. They're just going on a ride. Now, Patrice knows this information. Like Joshua just told her he is an eight year old boy. So. You know, maybe she's like, I, I don't really know what's going on. When Patrice arrives at there at um, Annette and Kathy's home, she went upstairs with Annette while Joshua watched Alexis in the living room. Now, next, she walks into the bedroom and sees a really pale baby who had tape across his navel. And she's like, oh, this is my new baby. This is my baby that I gave birth to. So then she goes back downstairs to feed Alexis And later, Annette calls her down to the lower level where the garage and laundry room were located. This is like a tri-level situation. Annette asked Scott to bring Joshua downstairs, which she did. And that's Patrice Scott, sorry. So waiting in the lower level laundry room was Fidel Caffey, Annette Williams, 
and an unidentified man who soon left that is later speculated to be Boo Boo. Is it Boo Boo? Yeah, because we don't, we don't, I'm just going to tell you right now, we don't ever find out who Boo Boo is. Oh, I can see this all playing out for Patrice. I just wish she could have seen this playing Mm -hmm. out for herself as well. Like, how do you not know that you're in danger? Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So Patrice (laughs) said that she heard Fidel ask Annette why she had not taken Joshua, quote, to the projects as he had instructed. Like, why didn't you take him to the projects, drop him off, like I said? She was just supposed to drop him off, Mm -hmm. like, randomly, Mm -hmm. like, just leave him there. Yes, in the project. Annette explains that Joshua talked too much and knew their names. Fidel and Annette then began to strangle Joshua with a white cord. Patrice screamed and pushed Annette, forcing her to release the end of the cord. Then Annette left and returned with a knife. A knife. Patrice screamed again and asked Annette to take her, like her and Alexis home. Like, take me home. Patrice took Joshua upstairs and tried to leave, but the door was locked. Patrice went back down to the laundry room with Joshua and Alexis. Fidel warned Patrice not to say anything or, or else um, Fidel would get her and her daughters. She has more than one daughter. So now it's this threatening, like, you say anything about what you're seeing here. I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill your uh-huh. kids, too, just like this family. Yeah, Fidel. Which she would believe. I mean, they literally just murdered someone else. So. Yeah, exactly. Fidel then instructed Annette to take Patrice home. They all went to the garage and got into the gray car. Patrice was in the front passenger seat with Alexis. Joshua was behind her in the back seat, and Fidel was sitting next to him. Then she saw Fidel, Kathy, repeatedly stab Joshua, causing him to gasp and kick the front seat. Annette then climbed into the driver's seat and drove to Maywood, where she and Fidel Caffey took Joshua out of the car, took him to the back of a building, and then returned without him. And I am struggling with this case. I'm not going to I lie. know. Like, I'm so mad. First, you rip Isaiah, Elijah out of Deborah's womb. Then you kill Deborah. Then you kill Samantha. And now you kill her eight-year-old son, Joshua. Meanwhile, Jordan was just left there with his... Families, dead yeah. bodies. This is really, this is hard. It's hard to wrap my brain around how these people could do this. Mm-hmm. Just because they wanted a baby. Like, yep. oh, just want a baby and just that's so light casually. skinned. Yes. So we're yep. going to kill yep. this woman's children mm-hmm. and her just so we can, so my 22-year-old boyfriend could be yep. happy. Yep. Because I can't have, I can't give him any kids because I've already had three and had my tubes tied. So then Annette left Fidel Caffey in Maywood and took Patrice back to her apartment. So Patrice was there when they killed Joshua. Yes. She saw them do she it. She was in the front seat. They they did it in the back seat. She felt him kicking her seat. Then they le- then she's still in the car with Alexis, with her infant child. They left the vehicle, took the child's body behind a building, and came back without him. Then they arrive at 12.15 p.m. Uh, back to Patrice's house. And Annette ordered her to give her some cleaning supplies. So Patrice did. Patrice's boyfriend, Dwight Pruitt here, could see that Patrice is trying real hard to get rid of Annette and that like something's wrong. So as soon as they leave, he's like, lock the door behind you because he could tell like something's not right. Lock the door behind you. She locks the door. She tells him everything. And she's like, holy shit, this is what they did. And Pruitt was like, okay, I'm I'm going to go call the police. Now you're going to call the police. There were some reports that <laughs> Pruitt had tried to call police, 
before, like as soon as Patrice had left with them because of Joshua's statements. So when Joshua was, was still alive, but that he couldn't, he tried like three different phones and none of them worked. So he just gave up and went back to his apartment. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess at least he tried. Question mark. But I just, this hurts because they could have protected that little boy. Yeah. And he tried to tell them what had happened. Yes, exactly. And like not let her go with Annette yeah. Williams to begin with. Or let him, excuse me, not let him go with Annette Williams to begin with. It is hard for me to wrap my brain around also that Patrice was like, yeah, okay, we'll go with you. After, you know what I Being mean? Being told that, yes, yep, exactly. And okay, I'll bring my infant daughter. Yeah. With you. I'll take the baby. <laughs> Dwight Pruitt does end up calling the police from a nearby hair salon. So this time he finds a working phone. He got phone. a phone. Okay. And immediately Patrice leads the police to the place where Joshua's body is at and they find him. At this point in time, the police drive right to Annette Williams and uh, Fidel Caffey's yeah. home and arrest them. That easy. Oh my god. I'm I'm laughing and like crying inside because right. this is so horrible and, and, so and such stupid. nonsense. Exactly. It's so stupid. Yep. Like what the hell did you think was going to happen? You freaking ingrown toenails. <laughs> they are the most unintelligent people I've, I think I've yes, ever like uh, that's ever committed a crime. Uh-huh. Of this yep. proportion. It was so sloppy. It was so senseless. And the police, it's now just like they're literally going to go arrest them. Yeah, and they did. At the time of the arrest, Annette was carrying Elijah, who had a bloody piece of gauze tape over his navel. Fidel Caffey was wearing the starter jacket, which had stained, had blood stains on the right cuff. Now, this starter jacket that he was wearing, that was Deborah Evans's boyfriend, and they stole it from her home. Oh, how nice. That's who it belonged to. And later, I'm going to get to it, but Fidel maintains his innocence in all this and claims that that starter jacket was presented to him as an early Daddy's Day gift by Annette after her and Laverne Ward cut the baby out and did all the killing and Happy just brought Father's this baby. Day. Here's a here's a starter jacket for you. Mm-hmm. It was probably one of those like pullover ones that was This is 1995. It was a Miami Dolphins starter yeah. jacket. That is what it was. Probably horribly hideous. Yeah, it like, was teal. It was yeah. the Miami Dolphins. Like, come on. Everyone had that starter jacket. I, I wanted one back in the day even though I don't even watch football. Right. Like, I know nothing about football. Yeah. To My this mom day. was like, "Hell no." <laughs> All right, and I love sports, and I have always been into them. And even my mom was like, "No, girl, you will not. You will, will not do that you'll to look yourself." Back on photos and regret that. You and will thank me. Thank someday. you, Mama Kim. Oh my God, they that. were so just they were so ever- painful. They were, and they were everywhere. And that's what I'm picturing. That's that. That's what I'm picturing too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the starter jacket that had blood all over it. <laughs> I am picturing people, and I mean no disrespect. Uh, I love me some small town life, but I am picturing these people as the people of the hills, like the hills emerging. But actually, this is just outside of Chicago. That's, I'm just like, how? I mean, they're close to the projects. How are you out free to make decisions when you are this stupid? Right. And I don't say that often. (laughs) You don't. No, I don't think I've ever heard you call someone stupid. You should never be allowed to make decisions independently and all of them found each other and they're all making these horrible decisions together oh my gosh thankfully elijah was healthy and weighed a good six pounds eight ounces 
and of course at the time of the arrest Annette was like, hey, no, he's mine. He he belongs to me. But blood. Shut up, Annette. For sure. Shut <laughs> your pie the, hole. The devil is like crawling out of me because I'm so frustrated. I'm like, ah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> My God. Even the devil thinks Shut Annette's up, a Annette. shit face. <laughs> that was the We're best. We're going to have to do a case on me after I this. I think so. I'm going to leave that. Getting so possessed. Know. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, the, that was funny. The blood tests. Did conclude otherwise. Imagine that, Annette. Oh, you don't say. It's weird that you didn't think that DNA would have anything to do with proving that baby's not yours. Not to mention, give her a pap smear. You'll see right away she doesn't have a baby. Yeah. She, I don't know why I went. <laughs> I'm sorry. The devil came out in you, and I became Southern. I just coughed it up. And like, <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. And you got a Southern accent. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So... This is so sad. It's just so senseless. It's senseless. Like the most senseless thing that you have ever it seen. Is. And it all started, in my opinion, with Annette Williams not being, Jack, Jacqueline Annette Williams, not being willing to tell this 22-year-old schmuck that, hey, I've already bore three children. I just don't but have I can't take custody care of. of them. But I want to keep you. And so- I'm going to create this elaborate plan of faking a pregnancy and then getting you the baby you want. Maybe saying no would have been a more reasonable choice. I don't know. I don't know. But it's an option. It was an option, Amber. Sorry, Fidel. No. No. I will tell you that all three of them were tried separately, but the evidence that was found at the scene and the testimony that was used in all of the cases is where I want to go with this. Instead of going over each trial separately, I thought it more relevant to give you what they found that was used in all three of their trials and what testimony was. So was Laverne with them through all of this or did he kind of jump ship after they killed He uh, He seemed to really jump ship He um, after Deborah and Samantha were killed. Mm-hmm. He was not mentioned as being around, so I don't. I, I guess He's I can't. Like, okay, con- you got your baby. I'm good. I, I now. can't conclusively tell you if he was there or not. Okay, um, gotcha. I was just curious. They're running back around and forth. The state presented the following physical and forensic evidence in the Evans apartment. Investigators found Williams, Annette Williams, bloody fingerprints on a piece of paper. On the sidewalk in front of the apartment, they found a pair of poultry shears covered with Samantha's blood. Police did not find Fidel Caffey's fingerprints or DNA in the Evans apartment, which is interesting. That is interesting. Police searched Annette Williams and Fidel Caffey's house. In a garbage bag in the garbage, they found a white coaxial cable with Joshua's blood on it. Patrice had identified it as the cable used to strangle Joshua. In the dishwasher, police recovered a butcher knife, which which Patrice identified as the knife that Fidel Caffey had used to stab Joshua. On the kitchen counter were two counterfeit birth certificates stating that Annette Williams gave birth to a baby fathered by Fidel Caffey on November 16, 1995. Their certificates had been prepared on a typewriter belonging to a woman named Vicki Lasulo. Oh my gosh. In their closet, police found a bedsheet and pillowcase that matched the bloodstained sheets discovered seven blocks from Joshua's body. The blood was determined to be Joshua's. On the backseat carpet in the couple's vehicle, police found Joshua's blood, which had been treated with cleaner. 
Remember, she had asked Patrice for some cleaner yes. when she dropped her off. Uh, Vicki Lasulo and Dorothy Hale later directed police to a lake in Wheaton where they found the gun that was used to shoot Deborah Evans. Lasulo invoked her Fifth Amendment privilege and refused to testify, but she was later charged with obstruction of justice. Several doctors testified about the forensic evidence. According to them, the main cause of Deborah Evans' death was a gunshot wound to the head, but she also had multiple stab wounds, including a 13-inch jagged incision across her abdomen, consistent with poultry shears. Oh my gosh. Based on blood splatter around Deborah's body and the fact that her that Elijah had survived, Deborah's doctor opinioned that she was still alive when Elijah was cut from her womb. The doctor further opinioned that two or three sets of hands would have been necessary to perform such a procedure. I cannot imagine what this poor woman went through. I know. I, and those I know. kids, you know, being there for, for this. And yep. What a horrible situation. Samantha had had defensive wounds on her arms and incisions on her neck, which were also consistent with the poultry shears. Joshua's neck bore ligature marks consistent with strangulation and stab wounds consistent with a butcher knife. Joshua's right lung was aspirated, meaning that he had inhaled his own vomit, causing damage consistent with the ingestion of iodine. His wounds and the lack of defensive marks suggest that he may have been restrained. Again, takes more than one person. Other witnesses provided additional details about the defendant's activities leading up to and the night of the murders. So... This is where the friends come in and start testifying to things like, I sold the gun to him. Okay. To Laverne. Okay. So now we're implicating like Laverne here too, because it's pretty obvious that Fidel Caffey murdered Joshua. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that, that people were testifying to is how much Laverne was carrying on about how much he wanted to kill Deborah Evans. Yeah. You said he was open about it. Yep. Yep. So people testified to that. Jackie Sullivan and Tenny Clay lived in uh, Evans, the same apartment complex as Deborah Evans. They testified that they heard a gunshot between 8.30 and 9.30 p.m. on November 16th and they heard voices outside around 9.15. They looked out she looked out her window, saw four people talking on a sidewalk. She believed that there were three African American and the other was a light-skinned Hispanic and one of them was wearing a dark starter jacket. You don't say. Yes. The Father's Day gift. Yep, exactly. On May 11th, 1998, Jacqueline Annette Williams was found guilty on all charges and was sentenced to death. Oh, I was actually, I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to lay that break. hammer down real hard. I was going to ask if the death penalty was involved in this. It was. It's just so horrific. They were, and, and as a matter of fact... It was Annette Williams and Fidel Caffey who each received the death sentence, while Laverne Ward, the biological father, was sentenced to life. However. (laughs) I don't like where this is going. In 2003, Governor George Ryan commuted the death sentence of all condemned inmates in Illinois to life in prison without parole. Thanks, George. Yeah, no kidding. So that's where we're at, where Annette Williams, Fidel Caffey, and... Laverne Ward are all in prison, life without the possibility of parole, although Williams and Caffey both received the death sentence and now don't have to see that come to fruition. Fidel Caffey maintained and still maintains his innocence. He has appealed many times and has been denied many times. 
In July 2012, a federal judge granted Caffey an evidentiary hearing. Like, okay, during one of his his what? Um, appeals, he's like, okay, we'll grant you an evidentiary, evidentiary hearing that could lead to a new trial on allegations that one of the prosecutors in the case bought drugs from a witness in 2012. But it didn't go anywhere. Okay. Okay, he is good. still in prison. Like, if this, if they need a group of people to protest for these appeals, I'll do it. Right, Like, right. I'll be there. No, no. The defense's theory of the case was that for, okay, Fidel Caffey, is that Annette Williams was possessive and jealous, so she planned to trap Caffey by faking a pregnancy, stealing Elijah Evans, and then passing him off as their child. Now, Annette alleged, allegedly conspired with Laverne Ward and Vicky Lucio to pull off her plan. Because remember, she got the typewriter from her. And she yes. knew where the gun was. She knew that that uh-huh. woman knew a lot, which is why she faced charges of obstruction to justice. This is all, <clears throat> sorry, the devil is just in disguise today. Right? <clears throat> um, it's really coming out This is all, like, as you, as you read the, or as you talk about this, it's so hard for me to believe that they thought this was going to work. Yeah. Like, oh, well, let and me now, get this typewriter. And now that Kathy is like, oh, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. She just presented me with a baby in a starter jacket. Where's your mans now, Annette? Right. Like, like completely throwing her under the bus. Like, yeah. oh, I had nothing to do with this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then he presented evidence of, here, I can prove that she's jealous. Because, by the way, I've been humping all my ex-girlfriends while I was with her, too, and she knew about it. So that's why she's jealous. <laughs> oh, my so there is that too. Yeah, I'm a garbage human being. Oh, I and think he's so, the one that makes me the most sick. No, she, because I don't he know. He won't like. He will not he will take not accountability admit. at all. And oh, these people. And, and once again, we have this situation like we had in a couple of cases ago. Um, he's like, listen. This is what happened. I was at home. She presents me with this baby, says, oh, I gave birth just while I was out getting groceries. <laughs> baby I, fell right out. Yep, sure did. Just came shooting right out of there, as babies do. And, and by the way, show. here's this starter jacket as your happy, happy Daddy's Day. Day. Early Holy Father's cow. Day present. It's November, jackass. Early Daddy's Day. surprise me. You're not even in the same year. As Father's Day. I mean, at this point, it doesn't even surprise me. I'm surprised the the birth certificates weren't made in crayon. Like, well, even it's right. legit. Look, here it is. The other thing is that at one point, Fidel Caffey calls a friend by the last name of Turner. Again, I'm trying to keep things simple for us, and is like, "The baby's here." Hey, she had the baby. Okay, so in court, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I initially, he tries to deny, no, I never talked to her. I never said that the baby was here. Then he's like, you know what? I did, but it's because I was trying to buy drugs from her. Oh, wouldn't you know it? So it's like, hold on. You just incriminated yourself during your own So he's just like spewing lie Mm -hmm. after lie. Yes, yes, yeah. He also was caught on videotape buying baby wipes in the middle of the night, diapers, that sort of thing, at a local 7-Eleven. Those 7-Eleven cameras will get you every, every time, every buddy. Time. So, and a yeah. lot of stuff goes down in 7-Eleven. It sure does. And and they had the 7-Eleven. The police weren't playing. They yeah. had the 7-Eleven clerk testify right along with the video evidence. So he's trying to dispute that and say, no, no, no. It wasn't at 1 a.m. It was after I said she presented me with the baby at 3 a.m. Like, that's when I went and bought 
stuff. Like, no, actually, we got you twice. Here you yep. are in camera. There doing you are. That, and then, yep, yep, then there too. The wipes. Also, the wipes were 99 cents. And I was like, oh, those were the days. Wouldn't yeah. that be nice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, to further piss you off, mm. be I'm ready. already on fire, so... Jacqueline Annette Williams had been locked up for 60 year, 16 years when she decided to petition to have the judge reconsider her case because, quote, she's a changed woman. I am a very good person and I feel I deserve to be back in society, end quote. Go sit yourself down. Yeah, bitch. exactly. No. <laughs> a very good person. Edit that out, please. Six, I've served 16 years after taking part in murder of children and kidnapping and womb raiding. I'm a changed person. I'm a good girl now. Then she further says this. I have lived every day in regret and I, and if I could redo this, I would. If you could redo this, you mean you wouldn't have done it? Right. Ma'am. Your grammar is painful. Thank you. She wrote, I understand my guilt and I am truly remorseful, but I feel I have served enough time. I just want to be productive and be a blessing to kids and to other women who are in a predicament like myself. I am guilty, but not of all of this. And I believe that I deserve a second chance. That just hurt me. Like physically to hear her say a blessing to kids. She what? she wants to be out with her three children and her six grandchildren. Fuck right off, ingrown toenail. You don't get to do no, that. No, you, you go sit down. She's been denied every time. Like I said, her mom did testify that she had a very typical normal childhood and that, that her daughter's really not the monster that people believe her to be. And like, I get it. I wouldn't want to believe my child's capable of doing no, this either. No, I wouldn't either. Now, according to The Guardian, I thought this was interesting. Teresa Porter, a Connecticut state forensic psychologist who specializes in female violence, scotched the notion that the prime motive is an obsessive desire for motherhood for people like Annette Williams. She said, quote, this is not the maternal urge run amok. The perpetrators are driven more by narcissism and grandiose delusions than an obsession to nurture. Okay, that makes more sense because, Mm -hmm. I mean, this woman already had three kids she wasn't taking care of. Exactly. Not to say, I mean, some people have that baby thing where it's like it's the fantasy of the baby. But nope, that's not what it is. For for womb raiders, for people who will go to this extreme of cutting a baby out of a a mother's womb. It's not the nurturing. it's It's not. It's the narcissism, the grandiose delusions. She said there is no evidence that they bond with the babies that they snatch. These women are often extreme con artists. They are psychologically impaired, but the majority are not psychotic. The perpetrators sometimes diversely are diversely dubbed womb raiders, almost always fake their own pregnancy. Then they target a friend, coworker, or neighbor, or befriend a pregnant stranger online, sometimes several, and make plans to steal a full-term fetus. They have usually lost a baby of their own at some point and make it and may be unable to have another. She does not have custody of her three kids at this point in time in her life when she did yeah. this. No. And is and her tubes are tied. They are often desperately want to produce a baby in order to keep a boyfriend or husband in is. the relationship. I was like, when I read this, I read this statement before I found this case. So once I found this case, I was like, hold on, where was that psychologist? Because this is exactly as she was saying, womb raiders behave. Mm -hmm. Elijah Evans must always live with knowing that his birthday is the anniversary of his mother's murder. But I will tell you a little bit about them. 
Samuel Evans, Deborah's father, was awarded custody of Jordan and Elijah and raised them ever since. They are doing well, although I'm sure there are emotional tolls that time cannot erase. I You can look up, like, there's different articles on them. They're really into sports. They're really Aww. thriving. Good. Um, I'm glad. I'm happy to hear that. Yes. I really am. Because yes. this whole thing is just so horrible. During the trial, Sam Evans, that's Deborah's father, and other relatives of the victims took to the stand, offering accounts of how the killings had affected their lives. Quote, this is like a horrible movie to me, Evans said, but it's real. Laverne Ward murdered three members of my family. He showed no remorse and no concern for their lives whatsoever. Evans said that he was at a loss to explain to Jordan and Elijah what had happened to their mother. Evans said that he has nightmares regularly about the last moments of what the last moments of his daughter's life were like for her and for his grandchildren. The pain does not go away, Evans said, adding that he has a permanent void inside him now. A father and a grandfather aren't supposed to attend the funerals of their children and grandchildren. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Amen, yeah, man. I agree with that. Samantha Evans' father was Scott Gilbert, and he had told the jurors that he had that he has nightmares and suffered from depression long after his daughter was killed. And I think the the most horrible, not not horrible, I don't even know how I want to word this, but how Sam Evans explained to the children about their mom being in heaven. He recalled that he, and he told the jury this, that um, Jordan came up to him, put his, grabbing his coat and saying, I want to go to heaven too. Aww. And like, if that is not an amazing thing for a jury to hear when yeah. trying to convict a mother's murderer, that right there, that'll, where the, that'll grab that you. gives you a perspective of these babies lost their mother, don't understand. This little boy grabs his coat and says, I want to go to heaven too. Absolutely. That's, that's like the, they deserved the death penalty. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever politically happened and it didn't work out that way, okay, but ha- just having it on the table, I understand. I if, get it. If I would have heard that in like a closing statement, I, as a juror, mm-hmm. I would have st- stood up and just been like, guilty. Right. <laughs> Guilty right now. With tears streaming yes. down your face. Yes. Exactly. Oh my god, that just hurts. Exactly. It's just so heartbreaking. It is. So that is the completely senseless, senseless murder of Deborah Evans and her two beautiful babies. And luckily, Elijah and Jordan are alive and well and doing well that today. Is, that's the best part of this. Is that it those is. two children? Are doing well. It is ex- exactly. That's the only but good they don't that have has their come mother. from this. And yep. oh, poor Elijah, knowing his you know mother was murdered, and his father is is a piece of garbage. Right. So well, it's I like, mean that's even harder. Not only is did your mother get murdered, but your father took part in it and and did likely did it. I mean, we don't like I said. We don't, there was a lot of name pointing. I found a lot of different information. I'm not going to pretend to know. Like yeah, there were three people yeah. there. Equally capable, possibly four, because they still haven't. We don't boo know about boo. Boo. what happened to Boo. We don't. They know. never found out who Boo Boo was. There were suspects, but nothing but, that they could pin oh, down. Wow. Nope. Like who is Boo Boo? Boo Boo should not be free. Right. That makes me very upset. Okay, so for this brain bath, it's <laughs> this is one of those things that I'm like, we are probably going to hell for laughing at. We've okay. already earned our place, though. Yeah, for so sure. Kind of. This is gonna probably solidify it, but. <laughs> Um, this was submitted to BuzzFeed by a, a girl named Katrine Dahl Piva. She was, was submitting for funny, it's a funny funeral story, oh, which is oh, why I'm like, okay. we probably shouldn't laugh. But 
This is her quote. I'm going to quote her. Quote, my, my great-grandmother died when she was 103 years old. Oh, wow. Beautiful Long life. life. Yeah. yeah. When I was eight, in the middle of the ceremony, my grandmother, so she's the daughter mm-hmm. of the deceased, leaned on the grave where a few candles were burning. Then her hair caught on fire. <sighs> oh, boy. Everyone started running around trying to put it out. And in the midst of the chaos, they dropped the casket. <gasps> Stop. No. So great grandma gets tipped over. No. While grandma's hair is ablaze. This sounds horrific. It sounds like something that's going to happen at my funeral. (laughs) Oh, same. And then there's going to be people in the audience with lunch half down their shirts. Because, (laughs) God dang it, I can't even eat a sandwich without spilling it on myself. (laughs) Same. You you saw me in action yesterday. I did. I did. That was hilarious. Tell me grandma didn't roll out of that casket, though, please. (laughs) It doesn't say if she did, but it mentioned that the casket got tipped over. Yeah. I mean, how's she staying in there? You know she rolled out. (laughs) I'm thinking she may have rolled out. She didn't. They don't glue them in, Amber. (laughs) Gravity is going to do its job. If she did roll out, she was definitely displaced within the casket. Yes. Yes. And she's probably from heaven, like, God, you assholes, pick me up. I'm face down into the dirty carpet. If that was me from heaven, I'd be like, oh, yep, seems about right. Yeah, yeah. Not even. This is how I go out of the world. Yeah. Yep. Looks, yep. looks about uh, how I pictured it going. Right. I love how you're looking down at the table, too. Yes. You're like, picturing I'm in the clouds. yourself yes. from heaven, aren't you? <laughs> Honey, you got to look up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you are or in the fiery pits. I'm sorry. My you're bad. not looking down. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, oh, we hope good. that you enjoyed that and it leaves you with a little laugh in your heart instead of sadness from this case. Yeah. So follow us on social media. You're welcome to email us case suggestions at crimecurious at yahoo.com and we will cover them. And in the meantime, we hope you keep it curious and we hope you keep listening and have a fabulous rest of your day. Yes. Yes. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.